again with things that Apple has taken away. <laughs> not, not, not released, but removed. I, I guess they're doing some spring cleaning. Yeah, 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 they are. Um, this first one, you remember Bedit? Like Reddit, Bedit. but with a B? <laughs> yeah, not Reddit, Bedit. Yeah, yeah. They, they bought this company many, many, many moons ago, and they make a sleep tracker. And the idea is, oh, Apple bought a sleep tracking company. They're going to make the Apple Watch a really good sleep tracker. <laughs> but then, but they never really did much. But then it. they did it. <laughs> and now it's dead. Yeah, so they, they acquired Bedit in 2017. And Bedit had like an app and stuff, but their main product was this like sleep mat that you'd put under your mattress, which would do the sleep tracking, right? It wasn't. It wasn't like one of these apps, like Auto Sleep or something, that just looked at like the Apple Watch or the iPhone. It had like this dedicated accessory that you'd buy, and that would measure your uh, your sleep tracking. They bought them in 2017. Then they kind of went. They kept. They carried on selling the products through the Apple Store, but you know, without basically any updates. Two years went by. They did a like a Bedit 3.5 version, which was basically identical, but with some stuff missing. Uh, yeah, and yeah then, removed features. And then what was it? Watch not last watchlist, but the watchlist before that actually added the sleep tracking that we've been anticipating all this time uh, from the acquisition, and it turned out to be kind of rubbish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's the most general. Any third party app is going to give you more detail than what Apple's does. Apple's is meant to be, they say, like a you know really general. Say that that one night doesn't doesn't upset you. They it's for. Um, Even though on app. Activity app, you can take one day off of doing your workout and it's like the worst thing in the world because they literally penalize you in every way possible. But for sleep tracking, you're allowed to have some rest days. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I wish they would sort out the, the native sleep tracking because all the third party apps just do it so much better. Like, is that a rumor these... that for the watch or, or watch OS? That, that, that is actually, yeah. That I is, yeah. So. Like, so for, I, I can't remember if it was for hardware or software, but. Either way. <laughs> either way, it can be a lot better. Because uh-huh. the current version, it, it basically doesn't have any automatic tracking, which I feel like is what you need for going to sleep. Like, they want you to force you into the sleep mode so it turns on the little, you know, bedtime icon. And, and turns you can on schedule it, but who has a routine, really? I mean, yeah, like, <laughs> like I get a decent amount of sleep, I think, but I'm not going to bed and waking up at the exact same hours every single day. Yeah. Like, I just want to be able to... And these, and then all the third-party apps. If you, apps if you do were, it, then why would you track? Because you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the th- uh, like, all the third-party apps do it perfectly. You just wear your watch, you go to sleep. It works out that you're not moving around bedtime, and then it tracks your sleep and it, any disturbances, getting up and walking around. And they do a pretty good job, seeing as they're completely third-party, doing like background analysis. Yeah, uh, which is something that usually requires first-party involvement to do because Apple, you know for battery reasons, whatever, limits everything. But then Apple comes along and they're like, we're going to make you explicitly say when you've woken up and say when you've gone to bed. Like, you just forget to do it. Like, that's not automatic sleep tracking. That's just like, it's, it's not much better than doing like a note, you know? So, Is there any way I, to do Apple sleep tracking without having a, um, a a bedtime, like, heads up on your phone and automatically going into bedtime mode and then you've got to turn it off if you're not ready? I think you can... I think it... Requ- I actually think it's so tied to the bedtime mode, like the bedtime mode that you can't actually do it separately. I think that's true too. That's why yeah. I was asking because I would even, I mean, I would have like Apple's sleep tracking as one data source and then do, you know, any other third party app um, as like the more detailed version. But I, but because I believe you have to have a bedtime alarm and at some point to turn on, like, like you could say 
turn it on at 2 a.m i guess but <laughs> yeah. yeah i i actually set up the the bedtime alarm thing on the iphone so i do actually use that part of it but and that gives you a very approximate uh very very approximate hours slept because it just bases it off the alarm and if you start using your phone in the middle of the night but it doesn't track when i go to bed right like really it just bases it based on how long it says you want to get sleep wise so it feels like they don't need a little bit more stuff for it to be way better but they just haven't done it and yeah it, it does feel like a waste of buying this entire company that made all this hardware they stripped it down and it's like oh they're just gonna let you do it through the apple watch and then what they actually shipped was not much better than just writing the time you go to bed manually in the notes app, you know? Yeah. And, and of course, they, they, I mean, surely they bought the company for like the technology and the intelligence and of the, the, the yeah. talent, but but not for the hardware that it was always going to be in Apple's hardware. That's, <laughs> or maybe it will be one day. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they're still going to, maybe the next what hardware come around, because it has been rumored on and off, but obviously it hasn't shipped. And yeah, maybe we'll see a magic... So, something that's couldn't have been possible and buying it or maybe they originally had bigger ambitions that to scale it back and we just didn't see that yeah no well, what we haven't seen is for a specific apple watch model to be the one that has better sleep tracking so like we haven't seen i think when sleep tracking came out it was you know to every we were all happy about it but it worked it was backwards compatible you know you update your your watch os version and you have it but we haven't seen like only the series 8 has this feature you know tuned this way and then you and then you get better sleep tracking so with last year's watch, they kind of hinted at it slightly with the the charging thing because the one of the big features of uh, the watch last year was that if you use the newer um, charging puck, you get much faster charging, you get fast charging on the Apple Watch. And they kept stressing like eight minutes of charge gives you eight hours for sleep tracking, you know. So they they come at that angle, but the raw functionality of actually the sleep tracking stuff hasn't changed. And I, I, right. if it, if it can get better, I mean, it obviously can get better because the third party apps are completely destroying them, but. I want it to get better sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. I think sleep tracking is good. Apple sleep tracking is bad. Uh, something else that we've we've said goodbye to this week uh, is the Beats Pill Plus, which is a Bluetooth portable speaker. Um, came out in 2015. And this joins last November. Apple discontinued a bunch of Beats headphones, um, including some that were pretty new. I think like the Solo Pros was one. Um, but they, they, you know, in the, in the past few months, they've, they've, they haven't like narrowed down the product line to be, oh no, where's Beats going? But they have, what they have done is release a lot of new stuff and then take away some old stuff in the process. Um, and and this is the latest thing. The portable speaker from 2015, never updated. Yeah, and it, both Bedit and the Beats Post just kind of disappeared uh, silently. They didn't really, you know, do a statement or any commentary on it. They just no, they yeah. disappeared from sale one day, which is kind of strange, but... Uh, I guess, like, the thing with the Beats Pill Plus is that did you you had one for a while, right? I'm, didn't you still, still do? Mm-hmm. You still got it? Okay. Do you ever use it? Every time I take a shower. Okay. Okay. So you use it in like the bathroom. Okay. I, I use it. I use it as my bathroom speaker, and then um, I tend to like take it with me, you know, get dressed, and then if I go out, like out, you know, just because I'm already playing on it, yeah. And it was kind of. It feels like something that. The Beats brand would still benefit from like, if, if, if if they were not bought by Apple, would they still be making a portable speaker? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Because mm, before like, the Pill Plus, they had the Pill 2.0 and and the uh, Beats Dude speaker holder. If you remember that, and and the had, original one was the one that caught on fire all the time. Well, the 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 yeah the the 
Beats Pill XL, which was the really <laughs> big version. I had a handle. I, I had one of those as well because it was really loud and good. Um, they that one was recalled because of like a single digit number of fires that were started and by it during charging. So so they never replaced the Pill XL, but they did replace the Pill 2.0 with the Pill Plus. Like within 14 months of buying Beats and like the deal closing, um, it's like okay, cool. Here's the first Beats product, you know through Apple has lightning for charging instead of micro USB um, line in audio. If, if you don't want to use Bluetooth, even had a, a, a USB a port for charging and you could take two pill plus speakers and through the iPhone or Android app, you could pair them as a stereo setup, you know, left and right channels or amplify. So there's the same thing out of both speakers, just louder. And, and this obviously predated the, OG HomePod by like three years. Yeah, and and remember, um, and and I think this is the kind of thing that was like in the works with Beats already, and they just you know put a lightning port on it, and that mm-hmm. was like Apple's contribution for the most part. Um, it was definitely one of those through their design company ammunition. Um, but yeah, it predates the HomePod, predates AirPlay two. AirPlay existed, but you know was pretty limited, or or I think it was only on certain things. Um, and they just never, they never changed this thing. I can see why they got rid of it, but also it feels like another like hole in there. Yeah. The, the, the other thing I was thinking about is remember it was reported back in the mid 20 aughts that prior to being bought by Apple beats was working on a, a voice controlled smart speaker. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that they, they can't Apple canceled that project because they were doing HomePod. And, and, Apple also said that Beats was working on an AirPlay 2 speaker. That they said that on stage. Craig Federighi did, yeah. Yeah. When they were first introducing AirPlay 2, they showed up like a page of partners, and uh, one of the people on the list was like Beats. And so, Mm -hmm. but it never came out, which is kind of weird. Like, the HomePod lineup's good, but I I feel like a portable, like like the HomePods don't offer anything that you can take with you right like they're 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 plugged into the wall permanently so if apple could expand the HomePod mini into a small you know a a battery powered form factor maybe to replace this or something else in that range it remember when homepod was announced they they showed on stage an amazon echo as the smart speaker and then sonos as like the wireless Mm multi-room speakers and they're like homepod is the best of both of these and it turns out both of those things got a lot better before the homepod actually released you know half a year later, but, um, you know, they, they were kind of looking at like Sonos as like, we're doing better than they are at this. Well, Sonos has made a product called Roam and a product called move. And both of these are Bluetooth speakers, big batteries inside and airplay to support when you're on Wi-Fi, And, and they even have voice assistants built in. So you've got Alexa and Google assistant. Just think, you know, Apple could do that. They could make one of these, you know, even if there's not like two sizes of it, they could have it and they could have Siri because you're paired with your iPhone, whether it's AirPlay 2 or Bluetooth. And it's the same same concept as, you know, Beats headphones with, with voice control through Siri. So could exist, should exist. <laughs> I do think Apple has a bit of a problem with Beats. Not that they're going to get rid of it. I think they still kind of struggle to choose what role it should serve. Like, are they only going to do headphones now that are, adjacent to the airports line like for me the beats brand was like a perfect area for them to do something like a separate speaker uh right yeah but they obviously have never shown much ambition or interest in it like the boots pill plus when they discontinued it it was many years old and they didn't really you know update or anything so it, it just feels like they're 
cutting off stuff that could have continued. I don't know. Like the the, the Bedit sleep tracker thing. It was like, well, it, it was kind of surprising they sold it for as long as they did. Like, yeah. Why did they bother keeping it around in the first place? Uh, but with the speaker stuff, it, I feel like it dovetails much closer to their core product uh, situation. And the the Bedit thing was going to get cannibalized by the Apple Watch in one way or another. Whereas the speakers are going to, there's always a reason for speakers to exist. And so far, Apple has shown no interest in doing their own kind of portable speaker. So, and, and but then you look at headphones and they let beats like leapfrog them. <laughs> like, yeah. like, so, like the, the Beats Fit Pro, you know, they're, they're very much like what we expect AirPods Pro 2s to look like, uh, say a couple of features, but the general form factor and quality and stuff, like the modern Beats headphones are pretty, are pretty good. And they even have like, you know the overhead, the over ear headphones that are not terribly far apart from the AirPods Max. They just lack the Apple Except and the stuff. So, yeah, and the price. Yeah. <laughs> so on the headphone side, like Apple seems very content with them offering almost. You know, they're not completely identical, and they do have separation, but clearly competing products against their own first party stuff, uh, and in some cases offering features and form factors that Apple doesn't hasn't even got to yet. Uh, like they're not just like the bargain bucket you get the leftovers you get the scraps right they're they're like independent and and doing pretty well on the headphone side and i think a lot of people rated the beats pro very very highly over like every brand last year um but then you go to this other stuff like the speaker and they're like well now you go now we're just going to get rid of it <laughs> like, yeah do you think this is beats making the decision or someone at apple making the decision oh, because if they weren't under apple you'd think they'd have a range of speakers like yeah if beats was on its own they would have to have a much bigger range in general right because that's how you sustain yourself as a as a as separate company i feel like this has to be like an apple surely even if the beats pill plus decision came from in the beats thing the overall strategy of like someone at apple telling beats you should make a speaker that comes from them right like because mm-hmm. it's not beats then it's not beats only making the decision about whether they're going to make speakers or not they maybe still want like if the beats team want to make speakers and apple says no then it's not going to happen is it so yeah they're probably not that autonomous yeah, exactly. But then Apple's then letting the ball down because they they aren't sustaining a speaker ecosystem either. Like they have the HomePod Mini and that's it at the moment. And there's no rumors about an expansion of the product line, which feels terribly short sighted. Like, yeah, they should have a. They don't need a. They don't need as many speakers. What Beats would do if it was an independent company and what Sonos offers, right? But they need like the small speaker the portable speaker and then like the studio speaker i.e. what the old big homepod used to be uh, yeah. or not not like even you know somewhere in the 200 to 300 dollar range it doesn't have to be quite as high end as the, as the original homepod but in that in that perspective just the homepod mini the small little ball thing there's a huge gap in the market there for them to actually like offer something good <laughs> and mm-hmm. they're just not doing it yeah when you put this topic in the in the show notes today i was looking over the, sh- the show notes before we recorded and i was like making notes in the, in here to, to bring up on the show. And then it's like, you know, I actually feel kind of strongly about this. Let me write a story on it too. So I did. So thanks for the idea. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. And I, I hope Apple has bigger ambitions in the speaker space, but everything they keep doing, like they keep killing off speakers rather than making new ones. It's not giving me loads of hope. Happy Hour This Week is brought to you by Babbel. Starting a new year, it's a great time to start a new hobby, whether that's saving money, losing weight, or maybe getting organised. These are all the usual kind of resolutions. But have you thought about learning a new language? So why not trying to with Babbel, the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions to date? All of the Babbel activities are addictively fun, fast to complete, and easy to do, slowly building up your vocabulary and understanding of your desired language. 
Babbel teaches foreign language lessons in bite-sized chunks for real-world use, so you can do it on the go in just a few minutes at a time. I signed up to try their Spanish course, and the experience is really nice. Obviously, they start simple and ramp up in complexity as you go, and it's not just learning words wrote on a big list. They have memory quizzes, connect-the-dot puzzles, and other kind of activities to keep you engaged And they're all rich with images, text, and audio, so you can hear real people saying the words as you learn them. And they even integrate speech recognition technology to test and train your personal pronunciation and accent. Other language apps use artificial intelligence to set up their lesson plans algorithmically, but Babbel lessons were created by 100 language experts. And as well as the lessons, you can access podcasts, games, video and even some live classes as well. So start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. You can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three. Just go to babbel.com and use promo code HAPPYHOUR. That's Babbel, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com, promo code HAPPYHOUR. Thanks to Babbel for sponsoring the show. Babel, language for life. Well, speaking of products called pill, <laughs> <laughs> this week we've had a roller coaster of rumors about the iPhone 14 Pro and what will replace the notch later this year. Will it be a hole punch, as, as was first rumored? Will it be a pill shape, uh, optionally, or, or, you know, could it be both, which was the last thing that we've heard so far? Um, and, and there's more about the, the 14 Pro as well, but, but yeah, yeah, what do you, what do you think of so far here? The pill, like the notch as a, as a thing, obviously, when it came out with the iPhone 10, it was such a big controversy about because before in the run up to the iPhone 10, if you remember, for the first several months, people stupidly or, you know, ignorantly assumed and there were leaks that it was just going to be a screen top to bottom uniform uh, ditching the forehead and the chin of the older uh, form factor phones and then by about like the April summer time frame everyone had kind of coalesced on the notch being the thing and then there was the entire summer of are they gonna you know hide the notch or embrace the notch that was like the going phrase and obviously what they ended up shipping was very much an embracing the notch design because they didn't do anything to try and hide it in software they just stuffed the status bars on the ears and then there's just a black bar at the top of the screen that you know has a nice curvature to it a nice corner radius uh, but they don't do anything to like shy away from it and that kind of uh, divine design philosophy in uh you know retrospect when it launched was very in keeping with what apple does because they're especially in the in the johnny ive quote like the products are true to themselves. Like, this has a cutout here. We're not going to try and shy away from it. We're just going to, like, make it look nice and carry on. And the competition at the time, like, before the iPhone ten came out, Android phones of similar, you know, uh, status and the, the, high, the higher-end market, they had thinner bezels than what the iPhone offered in many, in many ways. Were they as drastically thin as they are today? Now, of course not, but, the, the you know, the top, the, the, the top phones had thinner foreheads and they had uh, smaller chins and they were compressing down and down and down. Meanwhile, the iPhone had this huge bezel on top and bottom for years and years and years with almost no design change. So the iPhone X like, modernized uh, the market and in many ways pushed the boat out, especially with the uh, way they handled the bottom because at the time it was very, very, very common for 
the competing Android phones, they would have like a lip at the bottom of the phone. They couldn't get it to go all the way to the edge and to the corner. Uh, so you'd have like mini bezel on top and bottom. And then what Apple did with the iPhone X is they accepted this kind of, you know, notch design compromise at the top, but at the bottom of the screen, it like perfectly traced the edges of of, of the actual like physical corn rounded chassis. And it, that's the design we still have to this day. And I think it looks really nice. Uh, but the notch situation was fine in 2017. And you know it's 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 fine today. Like people get on with it, and they you know they're selling more iPhones than ever they have, they uh, ever they have done. So you know it's not clearly a, a a block. But if you just look in terms of like design aesthetic, the notch has aged a little bit. And Apple even admitted this because with the 13 generation, they actually did change the notch. Right? They made it they made it less wide, uh, slightly taller, but less wide. So now it looks slightly less intrusive on the overall phone design. But then you look at the wider market, and Whereas Apple went with the infrared-based uh, Face ID system for authentication, the vast majority of the Android marketplace have gone with uh, Touch ID solution, uh, fingerprint solutions, and most of those now on the high-end phones are under the under the display. So they have like a hole cutout, a singular hole cutout for the camera for the front camera, and then they just have uh, capacitive or optical uh, fingerprint recognition where you just kind of place your thumb in the lower half of the screen, and then it can read through the display and Bing Bing. Your phone's unlocked. Apple obviously ditched Touch ID entirely when they switched to the iPhone 10, and that's a you know a separate topic. But in the in the in the uh, current era of mask wearing, it's looking like a bad decision because uh, that you know if you if you're wearing an Apple Watch, it's fine because the Apple Watch will unlock it for you. But if you don't, the masks impair Face IDs from working, which seems like a big problem. But they don't seem to have any interest in changing up the hardware to to address that. So what you're left with is just an iPhone that is Face ID only and the uh, components that need to be exposed are pretty complicated and pretty uh, like detailed and require a lot of resolution. So it seems like we're not going to be able to achieve an under-the-screen Face ID solution this year. If you compare that to something like a fingerprint, uh, A, you're not like shooting dots outside of the screen, like you're only on the screen surface, which helps a lot. And the, just the the number of collected dots for comparing biometrics of fingerprints versus the three D face modeling is just way lower. So that's why a lot of the fingerprint solutions are now available because the the necessary the the what what's the word the like compromise of the screen of the the screen layer like that reducing the accuracy and the precision and the quality of the image of the fingerprint is manageable when you talk about fingerprints, but it's not when you're talking about faces. Uh, which is the same reason why we don't have under-the-screen cameras in any meaningful regard today, because the difference in... Like, if you just look at the pictures that come out of a of a camera under the screen, it's miles apart from the actual quality of a, you know, modern selfie camera. So Apple's kind of in a rock and a hard place where they can't match the bezel-less look of their competition because of the biometrics solutions that they've gone with. So it's a problem. And what they've done with the 13 was like, okay, we'll just make it a little bit less wide. Which, as we've talked about on the show before, was probably just to accommodate the bigger rear camera sensors more than the aesthetic change. Uh, but they can't live with the notch as it is forever. Even if it's not like a big deal in the scheme of things, the phone design has to change and it has to become modern. And, you know, every time there's another Android phone out that has even thinner, thinner, thinner bezel percentage or screen, you know, screen to bezel ratio gets even higher, the iPhone looks more outdated. And obviously for the 14, we are getting... A more radical change in that in that department. The original rumors had said uh, like you know a hole punch uh, layout 
which implies what the Android phone competition does, which is a singular circle, right? And that's what all the Android phones do. So it, it kind of made sense. But if you actually thought about it, it's like, well, can all the infrared and flood eliminator stuff actually go under the screen? I, I, maybe, but this week, there's no evidence that suggests no. Uh, at first, people thought that that meant that, no, okay, rather than just like a circular hole, there would be a pill shape. So it'd be like a rounded rectangle kind of look at the top of the screen. Uh, which would accommodate the the multiple lenses of the front camera and the infrared like flood illuminator stuff for, for face ID to work. But uh, display analyst Ross, Ross Young, uh, who has been pretty accurate recently, uh, is now saying that those initial you know renderings or reports are incorrect. And what you're actually going to get is a pill shape and a separate hole. So there'll be like the pill, a gap, and then a circular hole for where the front camera will, will poke out of. So. Both the all of the face ID components and the camera components will be like black islands on the screen as separate elements. So it's in terms of overall uh, screen to bezel ratio, it will still be a lot better than the not situation because you're losing you know eighty percent of the bezel there. But I think there's a fair argument that two little pokey out islands maybe looks worse and maybe. doesn't actually make a big deal enough for them to even bother. Do you know what I mean? Like, it feels like a weird middle ground for them to land it's like on. It. You're achieving uniform bezels around the border of the phone at that point, but that's because you disconnected the bezels from the camera and centers to the top bezel. I mean, it, it, it's, I think it's progress. It's a reduction of, yeah. of you know, uh, unused black space around the hardware components. Um, might look pretty cool, pretty modern, you know, once it's not just uh, a rendering or or a, a part leak of some kind. Um, but it, it also looks really asymmetric, uh, off balance. And you have to go back to the white-faced iPhone 4s and 5s to have something that like that just sort of off balance and, and weird. Because what, what that phone did was you'd have a speaker in the middle you'd have the proximity sensor right above that. So you've got a, you know, a pill and a, and a hole, but then to the left of it, I think you had the, the FaceTime camera. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was again, asymmetric because it, it wasn't a black bezel on the white iPhones yet. You could see it. Um, and it, it wasn't even, uh, and this isn't either, but because they've done that before, you can like, it's, it's weird enough that it's like, okay, I could see Apple actually doing that. You know, no one would make this up because it's so weird. Yeah, that's the thing. People aren't like the, the the single hole or the single pill design is like the expectation, right? So if someone wanted to fake that, they could just say that and then it sounds pretty good. And that's what we were going on for the last like, you know, couple of weeks. Uh, but you're not going to say there's two separate holes uh, without some backing or, you know, supply chain uh, evidence to, back, to support that claim because it, it's not the obvious direction and it seems kind of stupid but i fully believe this is probably what's going to happen at this point there's enough evidence to show it's going to thingy but my like design point and it would be like i think it'd probably just look nicer if they just didn't have like if you okay so ideally you just have a single hole but if they can't have a single hole they could do a pill shape which is bigger uh but why have like the hole plus the pill why not just like connect it up so you have like a super wide pill because that would still be less bezel than a notch, and I think it's more it's symmetric and it's pretty uniform. Like there's only, if you look at like the image and the image mock-up in the post, there's probably what like 15 pixels worth of gap between the pill shape and the camera shape. Mm-hmm. And do you, is that really is that tiny matte screen really worth the 
asymmetric look. Like I, I feel like the whole thing just sticks out way more because there's two separate shapes of different size uh, compared to like the old notch look. Like, yeah. And are, are we positive that the the space in between, the 15 pixel space in between, will be used for screen, and it won't, you know, when it actually ships, be filled in? <laughs> well we don't know yeah but, yeah we're not positive of anything but. but yeah we don't know it, like in the old in a couple of years back on leaks would have fully released like cad files of the new phones but he's gone quiet but a couple of years so i guess his source has kind of disappeared or whatever because he used he, he gave us like in a very similar um set of circumstances he leaked the uh iphone 11 triple camera layout right where it was in that triangular shape mm-hmm. and all the Android phones at the time, they had done them in like squares or straight lines. And so Apple, you know, the, the leak of the thing came out and it was like this weird triangle and everybody was like, you know, people were criticizing, oh, it can't be real. It's clearly made up. I would never do something like that. And then they obviously shipped it as a That's triangle. when you know it's real, yeah. Yeah, that's when you know it's real. <laughs> so, uh, like, I, I think it's fine, but I just feel like having the space in between filled in would be aesthetically nicer and you'll gain almost nothing like the effect of the bezel being uniform the way around is achieved if the pill is a bit bigger just having a, the extra little gap between the circle and the you know rounded rectangle capsule shape uh, i feel kind of is it uh, is detriment rather than the additional benefit who, who like, knew we'd be begging for bezel yeah but he's not even like it's the tiniest sliver right yeah. like you need like four <laughs> 15 pixels, like half a centimeter. How does this expert. make you feel about your already oversized bezel on your MacBook Pro? Well, <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm getting pummeled from all angles on this. Like, you have the MacBook Pro come out in the same year they made the iPhone 13 notch less wide, and then the very next year they're going to reduce it to two little circles. Meanwhile, you've got the full width notch on the MacBook Pro that doesn't even have Face ID or the earpiece speaker inside it. Like... <laughs> I mean, they found one way to make it look outdated. Let's put it that way. They did, yeah, yeah. Like, it, in the scheme of things, is this like a deal break or the end of the world? No, the but, iPhone will always be ahead. Yeah, and it, and always be great. And I'll probably this is my year to buy a new iPhone, so I'll be buying it. But at least right now, with how these mock-ups look, it feels like if they just connected the two shapes together and it was just a single wide pill, it would be a better outcome than what we've got here. Yeah. What's what's the camera situation on back? Yeah, so on the uh, back of the phone, both Ming-Chi Kuo and others have uh, said that the iPhone will get a 48-megapixel sensor for the main rear camera. So the ultra-wide and the 2X lens will still be like 12-megapixel, but the main rear camera is getting an upgrade to 48-megapixel. In practice, I think it's pretty obvious that they're going to do like the pixel binning thing, which is where they use like computational photography and clever image analysis. So they take in the raw 48 megapixels worth of image from the sensor and then for each for each little group of four pixels they choose which one's best in at the outcome of that you what you end up with is a 12 megapixel image uh but with less noise more detail so the end result because like once you got to 12 megapixels people don't generally need more resolution they need better quality per pixel less noise uh etc and the pixel binning route is relatively popular on the android side and i think some of the android phones if you're in like perfect daylight they take 48 megapixel photos but then if you're in a dark environment they do the pixel being to the 12 megapixel thing to offset the the grain and the noise that you normally get by being indoors because there's just less light available uh, so maybe it'll be like that where it's like a dynamic resolution so if you are in like perfect daylight you can get 48 megapixel 48 megapixels out but 
the Apple kind of solution would just be to, for it to be 12 megapixel always, and they just use the extra pixel data to uh, inform the machine analysis and theoretically get images that are sharper, less noise, less grain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and those, those, those really high megapixel numbers are practical when you need to have like physically a very large printout, I believe. Um, oh, yeah, like a, a, a high resolution 12 yeah. megapixel image can be like you know 10 meters tall and it'd be fine right right if, you, well, if you're going yeah. like the side of a building then yeah you need more high yeah resolution. And, and professional cameras you know dedicated cameras have numbers like that but on the phone space it, it's we're probably comfortable where we are for i mean we have been here for a while now but, uh, camera like dedicated cameras also have high resolution megapixels because they're good at um cropping so mm-hmm. some like if you're taking yep. photos outside and stuff you can then crop in the image and it's still super high resolution yeah, uh, yeah so there is some benefit for you know bigger megapixels but like for a phone optics and camera like using the extra resolution to just make a better output image that is smaller resolution is clearly the, the better approach for that and it's obviously what apple would do there i like that do you remember the day before the day i don't know before the iphone 13 event um john prosser had this story about iphone 14 that he ran and uh I forget what I think the big the big thing I remember is that his claim is that the the camera will have no bump. Was there was there anything else in that that you recall? Mm. I feel I feel like that that existed like you know once the event came like that was just blown right over. Um, yeah, he did have that. Yeah, because he had like that mock up where like it would just be like the whole phone would be a bit thicker and then yeah. be, there'd be no notch. Yeah, and I don't or, think or no, he no said bumps, anything yeah. about the front. No. Yeah. Yeah. There'd be no, yeah, there'd be no camera module bump on the back, which he said, but I don't think there's been like corroborating evidence for yet. So and and he said it the day before the the iPhone got his biggest camera bumps ever. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's no way they're going to make the phones that thick. Uh, but we that's still like out in the ether, I okay. think, to be resolved. I just, like, I just wanted we don't to put know that the, the database. I think the, the the end conclusion is we don't know what the 14s look like yet for sure. Like, and and this this whole this whole punch pill thing. Um, only expected to be on the higher end models, so like the pro, the pro and the pro max. Uh, we think the low end, you know, base model uh, iPhone 14s will continue to have a have a notch style design, like your MacBook, but 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 a little bit smaller than your MacBook, but a little bit smaller <laughs> than MacBook, even yeah. Cool. Happy Hour this week is also brought to you by Zocdoc. Has this ever happened to you that you need to see a doctor and then you go and search and that you find one that looks good, but then you have to wait on hold for hours to get an appointment? And then you have to rearrange your schedule to get a booking that actually is available. And then when you finally get there, you even find out that the doctor doesn't even take your insurance. How frustrating is that? But there is actually a solution. Just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor, and instantly book an appointment. Go to ZocDoc.com slash happy hour to get the app and sign up for free. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment either in, for in-person or session or via video chat it's really that simple you don't need to wait on hold with the receptionist ever again you can easily compare doctors by their ratings and read reviews written by real patients zocdoc spans the gamut of doctor services with thousands of providers listed in one app whether you need a primary care physician a dentist a dermatologist a psychiatrist an eye doctor or some other type of specialist zocdoc has got you covered every month millions of people are using zocdoc the app has a super clean and simple design, so booking in for an appointment is just as easy as adding an event to your calendar. And you can always be sure that they take your insurance plan. 
ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. So now is the time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash happy hour and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top rated doctor. And many are available as soon as today. Once again, that's ZocDoc.com slash happy hour spelled Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash happy hour. Thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring the show. And by Z, he means Z. And by Z, I mean Z. Yes, indeed. <laughs> oh, next up, we want to talk about Fitness Plus. You had, a, you had a, I think, a, a clever idea a few weeks ago about the shape of Fitness Plus today and how, you know, may, maybe five to ten years ago, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work like it works now. Yeah, I mean, it's like, if you go back ten years, Apple had these little... You know, add-on content or initiatives they do for a while, but they'd always get bored and, and move on because they were never like primary business concerns. They were just kind of like, like free add-ons. Like lessons from artists in GarageBand. Exactly. Perfect example. And, you know, Steve Jobs would have an event, an media event, usually in September, October, where they'd show off the new version of iLife. They'd show you some new features in iPhoto and iMovie, and they'd have GarageBand, and then he'd be like, Look, and you can learn how to play the piano with John Mayer and all this stuff. And then those features would ship, the lessons would ship, and then they'd never talk about them ever again. They'd move on to something else. Like, that was just classic Apple in those days. They'd have these random features uh, that clearly involve like a content investment, but then that would be it, and, they'd, and that'd be done. And then you'd never hear about them again, and then they'd eventually go away because nobody used them in the end. Yeah. Whereas you fast forward to now... And with, you know, all these services there that they're pumping up in terms of their own content services, you can clearly see a much stronger commitment. Like something like Fitness Plus, where you've got some, you know, celebrity workouts or like coach training on the Apple Watch with the time to walk stuff. They might have done that five years ago, 10 years ago, but they'd only done them like once and that'd have been it. And then it would just sit on the sit on the device for years. There wouldn't be season two. There wouldn't be season two. And uh, what Apple actually announced this week was not only so they've already done season two of time to walk and they announced season three of time to walk and they've expanded it even more so now they have time to run which is the same kind of deal uh but for running rather than just walking workouts and they're a bit more um like fast paced so the walking ones were you know here's a celebrity uh, they're going to tell you a story about their life or some you know important moment to them and you and there's like background noise and them stepping around as if they're you know doing a hike or something and then then in the half an hour time period, they'd do like four songs and then they'd cut back. And, you know, it's a pretty nice experience if you could get along with the celebrity you're interested in or whatever. And they'd even have uh, synchronized photos on the watch that you could look at to follow along with the subjects. Uh, the time to run stuff is a bit more fast paced, a bit more actiony because they're running around and they're just trying to like keep you more motivated. And it's not so based around here's this well-known celebrity, let's hear their story. It's just like, here's, you know, more like a personal fitness coach. Let's get you up and running around for half an hour. Um, and they're starting with three and they're adding more every week. It's just a nice expansion of the service that if Fitness Plus wasn't a paid thing, it's just true. They would just never bother with it. Yeah, they they have, I mean, monthly subscription gives them every incentive to keep improving it and make it not just a static service. Um and that's you know a subscription like add on or, or, or you know too many is overload is is definitely a thing. But this is a, that's that's a pretty good point about um, how Apple operates differently because of subscriptions. And um, you know if if it wasn't for the Apple One bundle, 
things like fitness plus as great as they are, you know, it would be like, like I've got full access to fitness plus, but I don't access it every month, you know? Yeah. Same. So, yeah. So, so, um, I, I would say that subscriptions are annoying. You know, Apple subscription services are annoying if they didn't have the very good Apple one bundle. Yeah. I, like they're annoying when they tread too far and kind of shove them down your throat. Right. But I, yes, there is some, there is some, uh, you know, shady stuff they do to encourage them. And, but in general, I think they're handling it all right. And Fitness Plus is only like a year old and they've added quite a lot to it. They, they've they also got like some special curated collections now. And, you know, they added the uh, FaceTime SharePlay integration in the fall and stuff. So I think they're doing pretty well with it. Like you look at Arcade there, they've last year, they really expanded that service by adding all those like App Store classics and stuff. So I think they're doing fine. Like it's just something that, a decade ago, you would never see Apple doing this. They would do it. They would move on. They'd forget. And like we still see that pattern with them today on many things. Uh, but they have shown that if they do attach a subscription fee to it, that they are going to give it attention and, and continuing support and continuing new features and content. So that's good to see. And speaking of services, um, this past week, Apple put out a, a press release to sort of uh, collect all of the milestones in, um, from last year for services or so subscription services from developers to the app store and then their own services from apple pay to tv plus to books and the books section you know it it's it that to me because um we we had discussed the 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 economist right um with no byline saying that that you know a, a new um book book streaming service a book yes. subscription service for audiobooks uh was was being talked about for this year um and in this press release there's this line um they say now with the all new audiobook store capital a capital s and 999 audiobooks collections listeners can enjoy the world's most popular and engaging audiobooks subscription free across all of their <laughs> apple devices and that subscription free part just jumped right out to me it's like are they subtweeting the press release that rumor <laughs> why would they say subscription free otherwise maybe it's a happy accident but um, it'll be especially funny though if they end up doing a subscription service <laughs> later this year or next year, um, and, and I'll, I'll have to go back and look at that again, you know. But mm. I do wonder with that book subscription thing, like if it, if it was completely made up, then obviously there's no basis whatsoever. But if I had to guess, they're probably going to go down like the podcast route where they they tread very carefully with like a couple of introductory books or audio books uh, that they've commissioned or whatnot because. They, 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 and like with the podcast stuff, the original podcast that um, not the ones that are directly connected to the shows, like the you know the after show for mankind or foundation and stuff, but like the the standalone original podcast they've done. They've done Hooked, and this week they launched another one about um, Siegfried and Roy, the magicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure that the the main reason those podcasts are there is so that they can test out the waters on documentaries and content that they eventually want to turn into tv shows uh like if you look at something like the shrink next door they did that for apple tv plus but to get the rights to that podcast they obviously have to pay the the original makers of it wondering a lot of money to get the right so it's probably cheaper for them to make like 20 original podcasts on (laughs) interesting topics see which ones catch on and are actually popular and then just commission those to you know script your own scripted fare so Maybe that will be the same route for books because it does feel like out of all the services, TV Plus is their main. That's the one they're investing the most money into, at least. Uh, it seems like to be their most like 
important one in terms of their attention. They have a whole division, a whole separate division of the company set up just for the TV Plus stuff. I mean, it's original content versus every other service. Well, Fitness Plus, but every other service is is they're selling content. Yeah, I mean, Arcade is a bit of that, right, where they have some exclusives, but it's mainly... Now they've just... But Apple didn't make those games, though. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, like, maybe that's what they're going to go with the books route, too, where they they bring out some stories, and they're like, well, if these catch on, we're going to make TV shows out. (laughs) Yep. Um, And and also this week, uh, I think it was Ming-Chi Kuo who put out a report talking about Apple's headset, and we're, we're getting to the point with the headset rumors for AR, VR, Mixed Reality... Uh, that they're the, the details are getting really specific, like like unnecessarily specific. Yeah. So so this week we learned um, the likely wattage of the charger for the headset. So we're we're way away from is the headset coming or not. Now we're talking about the accessories in the box with the headset, which I don't recall ever having. Well, maybe for some phones when the when the charger changes, but this yeah, is they've very... talked about going from five watt to nineteen watt to twenty watt and stuff on the on the phone transition. But yeah, like for yeah. a brand new product category, <laughs> we certainly didn't know the wattage of the Apple Watch charger. Let's put it that way before it <laughs> yeah. came out. Uh, but Minchi Kuo came out with a report this week, and he said the uh, AR VR headset that Apple's going to announce probably later this year uh, will ship with a ninety six watt power adapter. Mm-hmm. That's the same one that comes with the fourteen inch MacBook Pro. Uh, which is a, just a funny, like, and you know what Minchi Kuo reports are like. That was like his entire story. It was like, everyone should go invest in the in the charging company because right. you know, Apple's going to yeah. buy loads of them, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but if you want to look at the analysis of it, well, you don't put a 96-watt charger in a package of a small mobile device. Like, the iPhone has a 20-watt charger. The iPad has a 30-watt charger. If it's going to ship with a 96-watt charger, that means the battery in the headset is going to be pretty big uh, and high capacity. Uh, and that reflects the power draw that we expect from this relatively sophisticated headset in terms of technical specifications like you know over the last year or so the information reports like uh dual 8k displays mm-hmm. uh quo has said that it will have performance similar to macbook pro like a m1 pro chip maybe like a 10 core cpu and a 16 core gpu and you can imagine if they're doing you know real-time rendering of the environment that stuff that's going to be necessary and one kind of like side indicator of that is a 96 watt power adapter because it just implies it's going to have a really big battery that you're going to strap on your head uh, and these components are going to use a lot of power. Along that same line, uh, Mark Gurman actually had a report that he was talking about kind of uh, like he was talking about the metaverse kind of stuff, right? Which is obviously uh, the MO of Facebook and some other companies. But he said uh, in his latest newsletter, I'd be shocked to hear on stage uh, one word from Apple metaverse i've been told pretty directly that the idea of a completely virtual world where users can escape to is off limits from apple Uh, and at a you know social acceptance or philosophical degree that sounds in the ballpark of of apple's sensibilities but also if you just look technically the arvr headset it's not gonna have the battery life to support all day use anyway like you know, it, 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 Apple can talk about the ethical approach of, you know, it's a nice thing where you can go and do some experiences and then come back to the real world. But if you just look realistically, in the near term, for at least the next five years, there's not going to be high headset hardware that can render realistic environments to a decent fidelity uh, that you can actually be, you know, taken by the suspension of misbelief and your brain can accept that you're actually doing something and this will turn it reality. There's not going to be a way for a headset to be portable that can have that quality 
and technical specification and also have all day battery life like it's just impossible so these other companies are like touting it as like this is the future this is the vision uh but they're not actually going to ship anything that can fulfill that vision uh whereas it makes much more sense for like the apple way right where they're going to focus on what the product can actually achieve and come from that angle rather than you know inventing a fantasy that is going to be disappointing when the product actually ships because even this first generation headset it's not what Apple wants to do long term. It's just what yeah. they can achieve with current technology. And maybe in the longer time frame when they can make the thin and light glasses, surely they're going to be wanting them to eventually be used all day long because they they think the uh, the headset's going to replace the iPhone. So it needs to become an all day product. It's just well, the, the un- glasses impractical cases, for it to be done today. Yeah, the, the actual like is, light <laughs> glasses thing, not the yeah, headset but, product. But yeah. the glasses thing will go on its charger like AirPods do, but it's like a glasses case. <laughs> <laughs> can I say something? Um, yeah. yeah, Mark, Mark's column was from this weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he said, you know, one word, Apple won't use metaverse. Um, on the 3rd of January in the year of our Lord, 2022, I wrote as the, the last line on my story about, you know, will, will this be the year of the, the headset or not? Um, I said, this could be the first mixed reality headset reveal that doesn't use the phrase metaverse in 2022. Maybe I should have said word instead of phrase, but you get the point. I mean, I can refer to my mail blog article from last year where I said the metaverse isn't real. So you said it isn't real. I said <laughs> Apple won't use the word. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you the credit. <laughs> then we can wait until the March event where they suddenly stop talking about the metaverse as much as they talk about five G. Yeah, let me know if let me know if Mark Gurman scrapes any more of my content for his, his <laughs> newsletter. So <laughs> finally, this week. Happy Hour is brought to you by Upstart. If you're carrying a credit balance month after month after month after month, it can feel like a never-ending cycle of debt. But Upstart can help you make that final payment so you can get ahead. The weight of debt can be crippling, but Upstart is here to help you on your path to financial freedom. It's the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan, done all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high-interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment with a clear and transparent payoff date. Rather than looking at just your credit score, Upstart can consider other factors like your income, current employment, and credit history to find you a smarter rate for your loan. You can check your rate without impacting your credit score for loans worth between $1,000 to $50,000, and it only takes minutes. You can receive funds in as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. So find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash happy hour. That's upstart.com slash happy hour. U-P-S-T-A-R-T dot com slash happy hour. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. One more time, go to upstart.com slash happy hour. Uh, now we're going to talk about baseball. Um, do you know, well, before I This say is that, where I am going to have to see to you for information because okay. I know very little about baseball. Okay, Benjamin Mayo of, of England. Um, do you know what the MLB is? You know what MLB stands for? I've heard of the name and I believe it stands for Major League Baseball, but that is probably the limit of my, like, do you even do home runs in MLB? I don't even know. Absolutely. Well, depending, okay. on, depending on how good you are, I guess. <laughs> now, th- there's also minor league baseball and... You look at the acronym MLB. What do you do for minor league baseball? Do you know what they call the minor league baseball? M I L B. That'd be 
It is, yeah. It's M oh, lowercase I am on a row. M lowercase I capital L capital B, which I didn't know. I had to look it up. I was just curious. But uh, <laughs> anyway, the reason this is on the podcast this week is because there are rumors that Apple might finally get into broadcasting a sport. You know, we've had this thing where they might do the Amazon Prime video thing where they get um, an, an NFL game like once a week um, that they also stream that that you can find also on TV. But this is for MLB, baseball instead of football, and they've never done anything before. It's just been rumored about every single year, um, but but maybe baseball. Yeah, because obviously there's been persistent rumors about like them talking with uh, the NFL about maybe getting Sunday ticket or the Pac-12 conference. Like That's been rolling around for the last couple of years, and they hired the ex-sports uh, exec at Amazon a couple of years ago, so... This has all been, you know, circulating and percolating. And we spoke about a couple of weeks ago that Nunfab Mac had found, you know, code evidence that they work on a new like sports kit framework to more deeply integrate sports related content into the iPhone and the Apple TV and stuff. So it only made sense that they were going to look to acquire some live sports package because live sports is a huge part of streaming services. Uh, you know, what if you haven't got like, name brand uh franchises another great way to get customer attachment is by making sports they used to watch one way and taking them to your platform making them exclusive because people are going to stick to their sports team so they're going to move along um now my understanding is that mlb is not the biggest sport in america is that it's, a, it's, it's america's pastime but isn't like the nfl like way bigger yes okay yeah so if they did get this, they'd be starting small. And this comes from uh, both the New York Post and CNBC, both uh, corroborated this now, that Apple is said to be in serious talks to get the upcoming Major League Baseball broadcast rights package for weekday games. So uh, I believe, and again, this is where my understanding of sports is very weak, that the, quote, super big games or super important games happen on the weekend. But Apple is uh, believed to be pursuing a package that used to be owned by ESPN, but basically gives them rights to weekday uh, national games. There there are a lot of baseball games compared to football games. I mean, there's a lot of football games, too. You've got X number of teams, and then they play, I think, between 17 and 18 weeks before they get to, like, Super Bowl status and playoffs. Um, with baseball, there's 162 games. So, like, you have, you know, versus, say, 18. And uh, that's a lot more. So... Even if they got a small part of, of, of that, they could have, they could broadcast a lot of baseball games. I also think there's a um like if you're if you're sitting out there and you're like, why are they bothering with MLB? Why don't they go for something bigger like NFL Sunday ticket and stuff? There's nothing stopping them doing more than one sport, you know? Yeah. And they almost have to like tread their feet in the water before they jump in. And I it, it's a bad analogy for like the because the the planet the apps, Carpool Garrick stuff was such a disaster, but uh I think that if you want to go for sports packages, quite often you have to show the people that are in charge that you're actually going to handle the property well yeah. uh, before they're going to give you... Like, even with your billions and billions of dollars, like, you, all these sports rights are so competitive at the moment. Amazon, you know, Apple, uh, Warner Brothers, Discovery, Viacom, like, uh, Disney, they're all fighting over these very you know, handful of sports rights that keep popping up uh, for their respective streaming services. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be there in the conversation, I think you not only do you have to have the money, 
you also have to have the infrastructure and the responsibility and the uh, track record of being able to deliver this content to consumers in the way that they like. Like, that is a factor. So starting with something like MLB Midweek Games, it's probably not going to cost them too much money. You know, a couple of billion, right? Um, Or less, maybe. Uh, It's going to be way cheaper than the, the rights for, like, the NFL. But if you can get the MLB stuff up and running and shipping... For the like, because these rights are meant to be for the next upcoming season. By the time that, for instance, the NFL Sunday ticket stuff negotiations start happening, uh, which I believe begins the end of this year, if you can show that, oh look, we've already done this, we're streaming to millions and millions of people these baseball games, they're happy, there's no problems, there's no lag, you know, the games aren't breaking. We've got X million distribution of the TV app across our own devices and across all the third party platforms we're rolling out to. It just helps them get a bigger foot in the door, actually winning. Uh, the rights for something more in the future so uh again based on my limited knowledge of sports starting with the mlb seems pretty logical and if you look at apple's history they've been pretty good partners with the mlb for a long time like the original ipad event one of the demos uh from the third party companies was the mlb app app right and they've mm-hmm. shown them multiple times i think including uh for the apple tv uh you know tvos generation and do you remember uh, it was probably about like four years ago now they added the feature. They first added the feature to iOS where an app could have a custom icon. So yes. they they would add the support for uh, you have your you know the app icon down from the App Store, but then if you go into the settings of the app, they can offer a functionality to change the icon. And that's been pretty popular deployed across loads of applications, including you know most recently like Twitter Blue, where they actually make it like a premium feature. So you have to pay extra just to be able to change your icon and stuff. But one of the main reasons that happened, my understanding, and I believe it's reported out there as well, is people at the MOB wanted uh to display their sports team on the icon and so the mlb representatives spoke to eddie q and eddie q got it prioritized as a feature that shipped in ios and that's one of the reasons why it didn't it wasn't like a major version release it was like ios 8.2 or you know 8.4 or something that it was just like now apps can freely change their icon and people are like, well, how'd this come around at random but the main motivation was from mlb who wanted to do it to show support for uh, the teams of the MLB. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on, on the idea of, of starting small baseball's not small, but you could, there, there is a target that you could do. That's even smaller, which is it's football. It's the United States football league, USFL. And this existed back in the eighties for several years, um, went away for a long time, almost came back in 2010. Didn't happen. But this year, 2022, there are, I believe eight teams um, around the United States. And this is going to be like, it's not going to be big because it's kind of under the radar, but it's, it's sort of like off season and you know, you've got NFL and you're, you're the season's off. So these are going to be the games that you can watch. Um, that's, you know, there's, there's no talk of this, but that's the kind of thing that, um, they could really just like test the waters with. It depends if the rights are already sold though. That's the other issue. Yeah. Like, if people have already bought them, uh, like I, I literally just Google where you're talking, and it says mm-hmm. the USFL rights have been sold to uh, NBC. So yeah, yeah. And I, I wonder really if Apple was ever in the conversation, but um, you know, if it, if it works out, then that's the kind of thing where you know it's it's like it's a little bit more niche. Um, and so putting it on a streaming service, kind of how like how they do certain things on you know, say Peacock for NBC. NBC's Peacock, right? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Instead of having it on 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 TV, um, that's the that's the kind of thing I could see happening. The other thing is, the, remember the story from last November where Apple 
um, brought on the former president of ESC, ESPN, John uh, Skipper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's obviously for like sports content and there's like documentary, documentary and things. style stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, you know, I can't help but but wonder if having him, you know, on speed dial helps at all. Like, surely he has relationships with mm-hmm. a, a, as the president of ESPN. You know, um, and he's interesting. You know how we talked about um, uh, what's what's the used used to be Pixar guy that was a little bit touchy and oh, <laughs> yeah yeah him anyway, yeah um, he's John Lasser. Con- yeah he he's controversial Apple ignored all of that um and and it's, you just have to like hold your nose and 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 accept it but um John Skipper the reason he's the former ESPN president is because he like he like left abruptly because he was being extorted by a third party who had discovered he had a cocaine addiction and. <laughs> he, quit, he quit to not have that revealed and i'm not saying at all that like a cocaine addiction is, isn't this is the same thing as like say sexual harassment yes know? um but it is interesting just i mean this was not in any of the coverage really but um but he he once he left espn he just came out and said this is what happened this is why i left just so i can't be extorted you know here it is um so yeah that, that could be a pretty good documentary on apple tv plus if he wants that to be but yeah, sports. So MLB, we'll see how that goes. As, as with all of these, I feel like there's, like I said, talk every year and, and they just never happen. So Yeah, but now it's serious talks. That's different, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's like saying um, Apple lost a key uh, chip engineer to another company. Every engineer that, that gets hired by Microsoft or another company is the key, the key engineer to Apple Silicon. Well, according to my incredible source that is Google, uh, the 2022 MLB season begins in April. So if this is true, they haven't got long to uh, get the deal done. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And um, uh, finally, there's... Well, well, I do want to say one more thing before we move away mm-hmm. sports. You know, it, it, listeners may recall that you had a um, one of those mayor rants about the Apple Watch ads around this, this helped person be saved by emergency services because they wore an Apple Watch. I saw one during a football game last week that I thought was actually pretty good. And it's not on YouTube, so I can't find it and like show it to you. But it's it's the thing where we wrote a story about this guy, but it's 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 the guy who fell off of his his bicycle um at like a state park or something and was really banged up and his watch called nine one one and then texts his son and he shared like pictures of of you know the damage to his body. Um well the ad it plays what I assume is what emergency, you know, whoever answers at 911 hears, which is like a very low quality Siri voice, like the old, old Siri voice. But it, it says, it tells the person the longitude and latitude and then the range that they could be in from that. Um, so it's pretty much, you know, it's the first time I've ever seen what I believe is what the Apple Watch tells emergency services when it does call for you. Um, and I thought that was because it revealed like how it works and it's the Siri you know, a low quality Siri voice. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. And it's also like beautiful because it's like out in the woods and stuff. Um, but I, it's not on YouTube, I don't think. So I couldn't like share it yet. But anyway, finally, Mark Gurman, who uh, scrapes my content, says that there will be an <laughs> Apple event uh, in March or April for the iPhone SE3. And I wrote that. No, I didn't write that. Um, but what do you think about that? I mean, <laughs> You don't have to. You could have written that. It could, <laughs> like, could have a March or April event predicting for Apple. It's not exactly a, putting your neck on the line, is it? Um, yeah, the SE three thing though is, uh, I think at one point we thought the SE three would be more ambitious than it will be. Yes, you know, with a with a 
you know, um, iPad Bigger screen, iPad yeah, Air, ID yeah, iPad Air style Touch ID, yeah. Um, never been on a phone before, but this, that would have been the first one. And, and I think now the rumor is that it's going to be exactly like the SE2, but yeah, you know, internally upgraded. iPhone 8, newer processor, uh, and mainly touting 5G connectivity for the first time. That's the one with no camera bump, you know. But um, hmm, and, and we still think that the that the design. The more ambitious one could come in a later year, but yeah, it's it's you know the rumors a bit hazy, but like twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four, that kind of like apparently it's still. Ca- I mean, it's going to happen at some point. They can't carry on with the iPhone eight design forever. Yeah, yeah. So the the S the original SE was the iPhone five S basically, and and the iPhone SE two is the iPhone eight, and this is the first time that we've had a revision to an SE that isn't. A, a, an older design, you know, but a different, a newer one than it, than it had. Like they're they're not yet taking the iPhone, um, you know, ten or or you know iPhone ten R design and making that an iPhone SE. And and it's and of course it sounds like when they do eventually go to the full screen design, it won't be a design that's ever been used before anyway. So SE is yeah. kind of interesting. You know, you think about it once a year when it when it gets updated, or every few yeah, years once when every it's like four years when it gets a change. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and obviously, they'll have other stuff to talk about. They're not going to do a virtual event just for the iPhone SE. But if mm-hmm. if the SE is the only thing, they just do it as a press release. Like I'm pretty sure the last two, the the the, the second, the first revision to the SE was just a press release. Um, so this would be the same. The first one was at an event. Um, yeah, that was when they talked about the FBI, right? Yes, yeah, and I think the like the nine point seven inch iPad Pro. I think it was that event. Um, Sounds right. But yeah, so if it was just the SE on its own, they would just do a press release. But clearly, they're going to have other stuff. Maybe there's some service stuff. Maybe they have one of the new Apple Silicon Macs ready by then, like the Mac Mini update or something. Uh, and they could do a tight hour virtual event again, and you know, make everyone happy. Release Universal Control, demo it some more because mm. it's coming in the spring. Yeah, for sure. So again, you know, saying there's going to be an Apple event in March or April, uh, not exactly the most risky of, of predictions, but it doesn't happen every year. They have gone years without mm-hmm. spring events. They have. Yeah. And, and and getting the month down too, because I think it's before there's been, you know, like a big rumor that's going to be March and then it ended up being April. You know? Yeah, but you did say March <laughs> or April. so R- Right. Yeah. So <laughs> so that, that that covers the basis for now. Maybe, maybe as, as time goes on, we'll get this sooner. Because then you have May and then you have June, which is WWDC. So yeah, well, <laughs> if they're they, going to do a spring event at all, it pretty much has to be March or April. Yeah, and this is where you announce the MLB stuff too. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that's right around the right time. Yeah, I guess yeah, so. And obviously, together. in 2019, that's where they had the massive services event with the original TV Plus and arcade news and I was, stuff. So. I was there. I remember it like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. That, was, that, was, that was a that was a fun event to be at, but not a fun <laughs> one to watch remotely. I bet. Uh, all right, that is the Happy Hour podcast for this week, right? That's it? That is it. Okay, cool. Uh, I, I want to thank all of our uh, listeners who tune in every week. I hope Mark doesn't listen because we'll really be in trouble. So We love um, Mark. We're just kidding around. I wouldn't be here without Mark Gurman. He He's he's like my, my mentor in the early days. Um, let's see. It, we really appreciate the people who subscribe on Apple Podcasts with the ad-free version for four ninety nine per month. Um, I think that's an awesome experience and and very cool. Um, as I often say, I don't even get the ad free experience because Mayo reads these ads in front of me. So, you know, <laughs> so you, you are, you're very fortunate to get that experience if you pay for it. Um, if you have any feedback for the show, you can email us us together at 
uh, happy hour at nine to five Mac.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Apollo Zach. That's A P O L L O Z A C. Benjamin, you're on Twitter at BZMA. And we'll be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye bye.